Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to Micah? Micah in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. Once again, want to welcome everyone here this morning. So good to see family and friends and uh, those of you that have come to see your family, the children participate this morning. We welcome you. This is... Um, 34th Christmas um, that I'm preaching, but I actually preach sermons that for the month of December over the years that lead up to Christmas, so um, dozens and dozens into the hundreds of sermons, but you know what? The message never gets old. The message of Christmas is powerful. We pray for the Holy Spirit, God's presence to impact every one of our lives. The Holy Spirit is able to make the truths of the gospel so real to us that we could all walk away with something today knowing that our life has been changed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and just wish them a great big Merry Christmas. Amen, amen. I want to share with you for a few moments. My message is, um, I've, I've prepared, even though I've preached so many messages, I don't just take a message out of my catalog or my file and just preach and rework it to make sure that I give you some fresh bread from heaven. How many of you, you didn't come for, from, for some stale scraps, did you? Amen. Fresh bread, fresh bread um, from heaven. So I don't intend to be that long. What helps me as a preacher, you know, my wife said when the children come up, clap for them, cheer for them so they'll be encouraged. I don't need you to clap and cheer for me, but I do need you to say amen. Um, the more you say amen, the quicker I can be. If not, you're going to miss lunch if I don't hear any amens. <laughs> We've got a clever bunch, young and old alike. Amen. But I want to share with you this morning about the Christmas message, and I believe it's the hope of forgiveness. The hope of forgiveness. I believe that forgiveness is one of the most encouraging parts of Christmas. It's one of the most powerful truths of Christianity is that there is forgiveness. I believe forgiveness is a beautiful word, forgiveness. You know, I read a book many years ago, um, and it was on uh, healing for damaged emotions. And I never forget the quote, the quote that the author stated. He said that one of the most, of most emotional problems among people is the failure to understand receive, and live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. It's so important this morning that we understand about forgiveness. If you have your Bibles, Micah is an Old Testament prop, prophet. I like to preach from the whole Bible um, because when you get to heaven and you meet Micah, he's going to ask you, did you know I wrote a book in the Bible? Now you could tell him, yes, you did know, and you heard a sermon about it. 
In Micah chapter 7, this is the word of God. It says, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever. Isn't there a lot of anger in our culture? Isn't there a lot of anger? People are angry about everything. You have to be careful. You have to be politically correct about everything you say because you're going to get somebody angry. But our Heavenly Father is not like that. The Bible says that he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Oh, that there would be a people that show mercy in our culture. That we would have mercy, amen? It says that he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. In Luke chapter 2 verse 11, in the Christmas story, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, And you shall bring forth a child, a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Forgiveness. In Micah chapter 7, as we read, the Bible says he will pardon iniquity. He will pass over transgressions. He will cast our, seas, our sins into the, to the depths of the sea. Do you know that the deepest part of the sea is seven miles deep? 36,000 feet deep, located in the western Pacific Ocean. The Bible says that God will cast our sins into the depth of the sea. Forgiveness is a great word because forgiveness means that we get our, uh, the slate wiped clean. It means that our sins are removed. It means that our sins are taken away. The word forgiveness means to pardon or cancel a debt that is owed. You know, in the scriptures, the Bible tells us of the weight or the burden of sin that we carry. It's very, it's very heavy. You may not realize that today, but there is a weight and a burden you carry because of the choices that you have made, the choices that we have all made in life. The psalmist tells us, David, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, communicating divine truth, he expressed his struggle with the burden or the effect of his wrong choices. Let's listen in. Psalm 32, he says, Because of my guilt, my sin, because of the sin, my bones have grown old. My vitality is turned into the drought of summer. He also goes on to say in Psalm 38, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. My heart is in turmoil. There is no health in my bones. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Now, I look out this morning and I see such holy people. You could almost sprout wings like angels and fly away. But I do know and I do understand human nature that all of us have sinned. 
All of us have made wrong choices. All of us have blown it in one way or another. We have sinned to different degrees, but the reality of it is it doesn't matter what degree you sin, sin costs. Sin has a weight. Sin causes you and I to be bowed down. You see, biblical descriptions such as the, the ones I read from the Psalms talk of the weight, the burden, and the effect of sin upon mankind. It's called a heavy burden. The psalmist said, it's too heavy for me. A burden, a weight. This is an emotional weight, a spiritual weight, a physical weight that we all carry for the Bible says that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But the hope of Christmas is that there is forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. There is a hope this morning for every one of you, young and old, men and women this morning, that there is forgiveness. A Savior is born. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, Christ came to earth to bear the burden of sin and take it to the cross and nail it to the cross so that you and I can be released from the burden of sin. Paul said this, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Sin can be a weight and a burden. A few years ago, a person came to church and they were wearing a backpack. Now that's not necessarily unusual or unnatural, but what made it strange was the person never put the backpack down. For the length of the service, for an hour and close to an hour and a half, whether they sat or whether they stood, they kept that backpack on their back. They carried that burden. They never laid it aside. They never unburdened themselves. And I think of that because it, it, it reminds me of the spiritual truth. And it also, it serves as a metaphor regarding how many people live today. They carry a backpack, a burden on their shoulders that weighs them down. There's no joy, there's no bounce in their step, there's no freedom, there's no liberty because that burden weighs them down. It's the burden of sin. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way, but the Lord, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, his, of us all. Thank God this morning that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life, will not perish but have eternal life. Thank God for the message of Christmas this morning. In the classic Pilgrim's Progress, one of the great pieces of uh, Christian literature, it tells of... Christian who is carrying a heavy burden and he begins his journey carrying this burden and he's weighed down by it and it symbolizes his sin and the burden initially prompts him to seek salvation 
And in the story, when we meet him, Christian has this enormous burden on his back. And it represents the shame, the doubt that he feels because of sin. But when he arrives at the hill where there's a cross and an empty tomb, he reaches the foot of the cross. And when he gets to the foot of the cross, his burden falls off his back and rolls into the empty tomb. Free is the weight now. Christ, free of the weight, Christian rejoices. This morning, the hope of Christmas, the hope of the good news is that there is forgiveness. Not just initially when you first commit your life to Jesus Christ, but all throughout your walk with the Lord, the Bible says that God is merciful, God is gracious, and God is forgiven. The only way to ease a guilty conscience this morning is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Many people try to ease a guilty conscience. Some people try to do good works. And they try to figure out in this system of justice in their own mind, they try to outweigh and do enough good works to, to maybe uh, just tip the scale. But how do you know when you tip the scale? How do you know when enough is enough? The reality of it is we can never do enough good works to undo the burden of sin. Some, to try to deal with the burden and the weight and the guilt, they get busy with all kinds of activities all kinds of hobbies, and, and, and they, they try to drown out the, 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 the voices in their head and the torment that they feel. You see, all those things uh, might be okay in some instances, in some ways, but none of them could ease a guilty conscience or remove the heavy burden of sin. Only through the Christ of Christmas, only through the cross of Christ can we know freedom? You see, our greatest need was a savior. If we needed information, God would have sent an educator. If we needed technology, God would have sent an IT person. If we needed money, God would have sent a billionaire. If we needed pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. If we needed fame, God would have sent a promoter. But because our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. Hallelujah. But what we must understand this morning, as we sit today in the house of God on this Christmas Eve day, there is a real spiritual enemy. The Bible calls him the devil, Satan, the adversary. He's called the father of lies. He's a liar. He's called the accuser of the brethren. What does that mean? That means he works in our minds sometimes with thoughts. And he's an accuser of the brethren. That means he's always trying to bring up accusations of every wrong thing you've ever done. Every sin, every wrong choice, every failure, he tries to bring up and torment your mind. He tries to bring condemnation, accusation bringing up every evil deed, every mistake we've ever made, and that burden, that weight just grows and, and gets heavier and heavier. And people, we try sometimes to suppress it. 
We live in denial and say it's not there. We try to numb it with drugs and alcohol. We sometimes express it in anger. And other times we blame it on others, our friends, our upbringing, our parents, the culture, the school system. You see, all of those factors may play a part in shaping who we are. But at the end of the day, we must all take responsibility for our choices in life. We like to blame others. At our Christmas party a few weeks ago, uh, for those of you that you, you weren't there, you missed a fun time. Uh, we had the most people we ever had at a Christmas party, and we had this gift swap. And during this Christmas party, somebody stole my gift. But see, there was conviction of the Holy Spirit because a couple of weeks later as I was in the uh, foyer, as people were leaving and I was greeting them, someone came up to me with their friend and they, they, were, they were laughing and they said that my friend made me do it. <laughs> Isn't that human nature? The blame game. We blame it on other people. We point the finger. We point the finger at other people. That's what we do. We like to blame others, but again, we have to take responsibility. But we go to the God of the Bible this morning, the God of the Bible in Micah that says, who is a God like you? You see, the prophet of God was, was comparing the God, small g, with the gods of the other nations. And many of those gods were vengeful. Many of those gods required a, a sacrifice, human sacrifices. But, but Mike is saying, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, forgiving, passing over transgressions? Who is a God like you that does not retain anger and you delight in mercy? He was saying there's no God to compare with the God of the Bible, with the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the God that gave us his only begotten son, Jesus. You see, you have to understand God is under no obligation to forgive. But because of his nature, his nature is one of love, one of grace, and one of mercy. He delights in showing mercy. God in his mercy and grace chooses at the greatest cost to forgive us, the greatest cost being the very, his, very, his very self when he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came to die on a rugged cross. You see, God gave the greatest gift ever at the first Christmas. He gave his son. He cast our sin in the depths of the sea. Aren't you glad it's not near the shore? to appear again when the tide comes in, but he casts him into the depths. Someone along the way said, not only does he cast him into the depths of the ocean, God puts up a sign that says no fishing. You got to be careful though, there are some people that like to go fishing. They like to bring up a lot of the things that you've done. A childhood accident caused poet Elizabeth Barrett to lead a life of semi-invalidism. Before, before she married Robert Browning in 1846, in her youth, Elizabeth had been watched over by her tyrannical father. When she and Robert were married, their wedding was held in secret because of 
her father's disapproval. After the wedding, the Brownings sailed for Italy, where they lived for the rest of their lives. But even though her parents had disowned her, Elizabeth never gave up on the relationship. Almost weekly, she wrote them letters. Not once did they reply. After 10 years, she received a large box in the mail. Inside, Elizabeth found all of her letters, not one of them opened. Today, those letters are among the most beautiful and classical English literature. Had her parents only read a few of them, their relationship with Elizabeth might have been restored. You see, Jesus has written us many letters. Matter of fact, some of the epistles in the New Testament are really called the letters. He's written us letters of his love, of his grace, of his forgiveness. Jesus came to restore the broken relationship. There is a freedom that we can live in because Jesus came for us. This morning you can be forgiven of all the sins that you've committed and have the power and the strength to forgive those who have done you wrong. Would you stand together with me this morning? I'm going to ask that the singers and the musicians would come back. Christmas is the fulfillment of all of the hopes of the Bible. That God loves us. That he sent his son into the world to take away our sins by his death on the cross. That we can be forgiven and have a restored relationship with almighty God. This is not just for some people this morning. This is for all of God's people today. We all need forgiveness. We all need the burden of sin to just be rolled away in our lives. John chapter 1 says that he came to his own and his own did not receive him, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. You know, I read a few years ago about a man who received a Christmas gift, and he didn't open it for 47 years. If you have children, you know you could hardly keep them 47 minutes or 47 seconds. But for 47 years, he didn't open that gift. You know, the gift of salvation is presented to you. There's family members, there, is, there are friends that we have shared the gospel with and we have offered this gift that God has given us. We share it with others. But still they don't open it up. Still they don't appropriate it. Still they don't receive it for themselves. I want to ask you this morning, what are you waiting for? To receive the greatest gift, the gift of Christ, the gift of forgiveness. This is what Christmas is all about. That our heart and our heart's desire here at Victory as a pastor, as the church, the leadership, is that those of you that don't know the forgiveness of God could experience it today, could experience it this morning. You see, God sent His only begotten Son. The Son was willing to come to earth to give His life on a cross. See, all we have to do today is believe. All we have to do is truly believe and receive it for ourselves. Turn to God with all of our heart. Take those steps of faith this morning. 
I want to pray right now. I want to ask you to just close your eyes. Just bow your head in the quietness of these last few moments this morning. You see, Romans chapter 10 says, if you would believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, you would confess and believe that God raised them from the dead. You would be saved. There's salvation this morning. There's grace today. There's forgiveness today for everyone who would believe. I want to just ask you today to ask Jesus into your heart. You see, the best gift you will ever receive, the gift that truly keeps on giving, is the gift of Jesus, the gift of His grace this morning. This morning we receive it by faith. I want to ask you while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I ask you to do this because I want it to just be a private moment between you and God. Give you an opportunity to say, Pastor, I need forgiveness. I think we could all raise our hands. We could all say we need forgiveness. But today, if you will believe it, the Holy Spirit will bring an awareness and a reality that could change your life. If you truly believe it, it will change your life. That you could be forgiven of all your sins, all your past, cast into the depths of the sea. I want to ask you, if that's you, if you need forgiveness, you want to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, and even as your Lord, would you just quickly lift your hand? I want to be able to pray. God bless you. I see hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Today can be the day of forgiveness, the day of transformation. You'll never be the same again because of God's grace. I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want everyone to pray this prayer. I want you to believe it in your heart. The Bible says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So that talks about the power of the words that you speak this morning. 30, almost, well, over 32 years ago, I stood at an altar and I said, my wife and I, we said, I do. And that changed everything. A commitment that changed our life. And you know what? The words that we say to God, I do, change everything. Would you repeat after me? Dear God, I believe Jesus came. And he died on the cross for my sins. I accept him this morning as my Savior. As my Lord, I believe in Him. I trust Him today. And I believe I'll never be the same again. I commit my life. I commit myself to follow Jesus all the days of my life. I believe the Holy Spirit will give me the power to not only be forgiven of my sins, but to be, over, to be an overcomer, to overcome all of my weaknesses, and to be a child of God for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want us to sing one more song. God bless you this morning. God bless you. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. 
The Bible talks about steps of faith, committing yourself to know God, to read his word, to pray, to be in a great church where you could grow with other Christians. I encourage you to take steps of faith, commit your life to follow the one, the only one that can forgive you, heal you, deliver you, and change you by his power. Amen. We're going to sing one more song. We're going to pray in closing. Let's just worship the Lord with one song. God bless you. It was my cross you bore So I could live In the freedom you died for And now my life is yours